Welcome to the K2 Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Kelly. Every week, I'll be sitting down with a sales executive where they'll share their stories and experiences that produce game-changing results. Let's be honest, sales can be a tough game. I'm sure at some point, we've all delivered a less than stellar demo, been ghosted by a client or two, and sometimes maybe we did more talking than listening. And that's where I can help. The stories and insights our guests share can be applied to your own business, your territory, or with your team, so you're not reinventing the wheel. Our weekly tactics and strategies help you get out of your head and start creating your own path towards game-changing results. Welcome back to the K2 Sales Podcast. I'm your host, Karen Kelly. Now, it's been a while since I've been on as a solo podcast, so I'm delighted to be with you all today. Uh, Welcome to those who are joining us for the first time, and uh, welcome back to the loyal listeners. And uh, I had a chance in the last few weeks, I had some really amazing guests. If you haven't uh, taken a listen, you know, guests like Chris Beal from Connect and Sell, uh, Brent Adamson, Colin Mitchell, Dr. Howard Dover, like these are stellar A-game people that um, I'm just so grateful to have on that I can learn from and um, encourage you to take a listen if you haven't. They share a lot of very valuable insights and techniques that are working and that can really help us. And that's the goal of the podcast is to prevent us from reinventing the wheel. And And this brings me to, to what I'm going to talk about today is I feel a lot of people are banging their heads against the wall because prospecting is, is difficult. And, and despite all their efforts, they're still not getting any results. And so even me, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not exempt to this either. Uh, definitely the, um, the email is up, the response rate's down. And I can honestly say what, what got people here is not enough to get them to that next level or to where we are today. And then you look at the SaaS world, it's kind of fallen apart and unraveled because, you know, there's no budget. The tech stacks that we once, you know, had the luxury of using are not there anymore. And so what, what's happening is we're finding out that a lot of people don't have the fundamentals of selling. And so part of the reason that they're not getting the responses is you got to look at, you know, the quality you're putting out there and, and what is it? Is it, is it quality stuff or is it, is it mediocre? And so I want to talk to you about a few channels today and Colin Mitchell and I spoke about this really taking a multi-channel approach. And, and that's what we ultimately have to be doing. We've always had to do it, but we have to do it now, but to a different level and a different level of creativity. Like take out all the stops now and just go like, what, what is nobody else doing here that I can do? It, it, you really have to stand out because there's so much noise, especially with chat GPT. People are saying, is this a bot? Is this a person? Why should I answer? And so you have to, you know, definitely stand out and be different, but also show them that they are talking to a human or there's a human that wrote that. And so talking to you today about email, phone, and video are the the three components, but there's another few um, areas that I'll I'll share that I'm doing that I'm, I'm seeing some success. And so the thing about email is it's not the only channel. And a lot of people hide behind email. And, you know, especially in that cold outreach, like you have nothing to go on. And so it's so easy for them to just delete it. And if you don't have any way of knowing if they've opened it or not, or it goes to their spam folder, you know, it's perhaps a lot of effort for nothing. And so the best way is, you know, if you have a warm lead, you know, can you get an introduction? Have you nurtured them uh, and, and built rapport and connected with them on LinkedIn that when they receive an email, the name is not completely unfamiliar. So you know, just things like that, that it's not a complete cold random email. And uh, if you are sending an email amongst your cadence, you know, 
do not, and I will repeat, do not use that first line of, I hope, I hope you're well, or, you know, happy Monday or Friday. Like that is just an instant delete because this is prime real estate. You know, over 60% of people open their email on their phone. And, and this is what that first line has to be something that shows them a, that you're not a bot and B you've actually done some homework to show that you notice something you've observed something, something about them, their business, their industry, their role, their experience that goes, ah, oh, this, this person's a little different because I see in that first line, they've done a bit of homework and that the whole goal is to get them to open the email and that might do it. It might not, but the chances are higher if you can include something about them. Also make sure that when you are sending an email that it is uh, mobile friendly, because as I mentioned, more than 60% of people are opening it on their phones. And so look at it on your phone. If you save it as a draft, is there white space? Is it easy? And you know, back to lavender, people don't read emails, they scan it and they scan it for 10 seconds. And so we really have to be light and airy and still value, but make it easy on the eye. If it's heavy and clunky and no white space and all this mumble jumble words and from someone they don't know, <laughs> that's going right to the junk mail. Um, and I can tell you, I do that all the time. So uh, definitely, you know, and, and I'll, I'll push you to Lavender for their formula in terms of a, an email, but, you know, two to three words, uh, subject line, very basic, very boring, and really to make it look internal, make it look like it's from someone in their head office or their, one of their colleagues that wrote it. So it's not exclamation marks, triple X, 10 X, all this stuff that just screams external salesperson. Start with an observation. What did you notice about them, their company? their industry. And again, the reason this is so important is because as you're doing your homework, you actually have to figure out what, what is going on? What is that trigger? What are those trends? And if you're doing this at scale, you know, what are, what is one trend that either an industry, a vertical a title, um, someone, a tenure is facing so that when they open that email, that they all feel the same thing. And so personalization at scale is possible. It's harder now. But the point is, when you are doing the homework, you really want to educate yourself as to what's going on in the industry. Why is this trigger happening? What what happens if this goes un, um, unaddressed? Like, what's the impact? Is it grave? Are they going to lose money? Is it going to result in layoffs? And so find one that's going to actually be impactful. Otherwise, it's it's nice to have. And they think, you know what, I'm not, that's not worth change management. It's not a compelling enough reason for me to put resources behind that because it's incremental. So look for those when you are doing your observation, looking for a reason to reach out, make sure it's a valuable one. And, and think about in your life where you've, where you've changed, where you've made a change, whether it's from a different vendor, a different software. And what was it? Was it efficiency? Was it price? And, and try to think of something now that's, that's very unique that perhaps they haven't thought of. And that's the big one. If you can teach them something about themselves, their business, their industry, and, and illuminate or, or bring to their awareness something they've never considered before or that's coming their way, man, that's a game changer. And they're going to not only be grateful, but they're going to remember the person that brought that to their attention because you're standing out. Most other people, especially the big one, when someone gets funding, they get a thousand emails about funding. And it's such a, it's such a knee-jerk reaction. It's so obvious and transparent. But if you do a little homework, and this is where, you know, you can definitely leverage ChatGPT and, and do the, you know, for it to, to gather the, in, the data, but then how can you scrutinize it? How can you modify it? How can you ensure that the language, there's emotion in it, that it definitely um, sounds like a human wrote it? So long-winded way to say, get that observation 
uh, what you've noticed about them, very specific and, and make it stand out. So again, they're like, the curiosity is peaked and they think, who is this person? What, how do they know about that? Or, you know, what, what do they know that I don't know and get them to read. And then again, the impact of the problem, a little bit of social proofing, how you've helped others. Okay. Again, we want to be mindful that it's apples to apples. If you're dealing with a small boutique company and you're saying you work with Amazon, they're thinking, well, we're nothing like Amazon. So, you know, we, we don't need your help. And then a big thing I see is the call to action, a simple call to action, binary, yes, no. Again, we want to make it easy. The brain scans. And, you know, after a few seconds, if it's heavy lifting and hard work, it, it's not worth it's not worth the effort and it just shuts down. So if it's binary, it's yes or no. If you've captured their attention, that you, you might get a response. You probably won't on that first one, but, but you might. You never know. Um, but make it simple. You have not earned the right to ask for time yet. So do not put a calendar link, um, 15 minutes. No way. You're going to get blacklisted for that. So all you want to know is, um, you know, what incrementally you want to move them to the next step. So what is that? Do you want to learn a little bit more? Is this on your radar? Is this on your focus? Have you thought about this? Is this something you've done before? Just anything that gets them thinking, not a high pressure ask that you, that they know that the next line is a pitch, you know, nobody wants to be cornered and set up. So think about as you're educating them and the next, you know, the simple call to action is basically like, are we, do you want to continue? Do you want to learn a little bit more about, um, about this problem? And if you've laid it out properly, there's enough curiosity they will. Might not be that first email, but you know, a few a few um, sequences down the line, a phone call, a connection, and they start seeing, okay, this person knows what they're talking about. I see what they're posting. They're sharing content. Maybe I will. Maybe I will give them a call, or maybe I will, you know, respond to their email. So that's the first one is email. The second one is the phone. And again, I spoke with um, Chris Beal from Connect and Sell. And the phone is definitely not dead. I mean, it's dead for people who never cold called and who are afraid to cold call. So it, it's always going to be dead for them. But again, you know, when you look at the B2B buyer, their their brain is going, is this, is this a bot? Is this a person? And so when you, when you can, when they hear a live voice, you immediately debunk that theory. And they know there's a person on the other end. And the thing we have to be mindful with the phone is that, again, it's we have to be simple. Uh, we don't want to sound scripted. We want to really disarm them. But just like, you know, any in any motion, we want them to acknowledge, you know, the challenge, the problem. And this all goes back to the, the loss aversion theory that people are twice as likely to avoid risk than they are to realize the gain. But the first problem, you know, in cold calling that we want them to acknowledge is us. And as Chris Beal said, we've ambushed them, like we've interjected their day. And so we have to acknowledge that, that, that we're, you know, and that's a pattern interrupt, letting them know that you, they weren't expecting this call, that you recognize you're interrupting their day and immediately that disarms them. And then you can go in and if you choose to do a permission opener and just say, you know, the reason I'm calling and, you know, if you give me a few seconds or if you, whatever number you want to use, if you do want to use a number, 27 seconds, 33 seconds, um, you know, and ask for permission. And, and at the end of it, you can tell me if it's worth continuing the conversation because people then feel like I'm not just waiting for a break in the conversation for you to top, stop talking where I can tell you I'm not interested. You've actually asked them. You've considered um, that there's another person on the end here and you're valuing their time. And most often, if, if you ask for their permission, they will grant it to you. They might not at the end of the 30 seconds want to continue, but but they also might. And so I would definitely encourage you to, I use a permission-based opener. If someone uses that on me, 
nine times out of 10, I will give them, I will let them continue. So definitely I would say the phone, leave a voicemail, absolutely leave a voicemail. They will not call you back. So don't, don't expect a call back. The whole point is to direct them or push them to something else. So an email you've sent, an email you're sending, a LinkedIn request, something because it's another channel. And our prospects are not sitting on LinkedIn like we are in email, you know, for all, they could be in a hospital, they could be in a warehouse, they could be on a construction site. So it might be two or three days by the time they get back. So I think we also have to be mindful that, you know, of managing our time of, of our expectations around timeline. They're not sitting waiting for your call. <laughs> Less than 3% of people are in buy mode. So we really have to, you know, hit most of them up in that unawareness phase and shine a light as to what a potential challenger problem is. And again, that's where we come back, you know, in the email and the phone call. But that's, that's our goal here is to illuminate or highlight something that they're unaware of and bring it to the forefront. So uh, just in terms of a quick summary, we talked about email, um, keeping it simple, but you know, that's a, an overused one. So there still are options. Uh, the phone definitely that answers the question immediately that this is a person, not a bot. Uh, the third one is video. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I can't say enough about video. I love video. It is the next best thing to being in person. It's quicker. I think this, I'm a one take wonder person now. <laughs> the, uh, I can just get it done in, in no time because it's not about me. And people think, well, you know, what about if I don't like the way I look or sound? Well, you know, the first, uh, pause it and re-record it for the first few times until you, you know, until you get comfortable and you're confident. But after that, you know, you also have to remember you're, you're delivering a message, you're educating them, you're highlighting a message, creating awareness that if there's a little pause here or there, you know, this is information they've never heard before. So the only person that really is going to know is you. So I would say just don't be so hard on yourself. Go to a place if you've never done it before that makes you feel comfortable, whether it's on your phone, in your office, outside, anywhere that just takes the pressure off you so it's not, you don't feel like lights, camera, action. And uh, keep it short, keep it punchy. And I would say tonality is important here. Um, energy is important. But the same format. I mean, people can, you know, just because you use a video, if you have um, a weak opener and no call to action, <laughs> it's still garbage in garbage out right so you still have to follow the framework um in a video but again what video allows you to do is it also a they can see you so that there's a connection there's a rapport and then they get an email from you but they they can kind of put that name and face together so that when you eventually get on a call there's a sense of wow i i, I know you and you know instead of saying hi you know nice to meet you they're like hey how you doing you've never met but that's the, the feeling video gives you. It, it definitely compresses the sales cycle. It builds trust, but it, you also get greater reach. You can They can forward that video on. So you have now access and access is a challenge. So imagine, you know, if you say to them, hey, you know, uh, if you're forwarding on a webinar, you're forwarding on a piece of content or a proposal or an email summary, and you can say, you know what, minute 304, we talked about, you know, the ROI uh, feel free to send that to uh, the CFO, Frank. Um, at minute 19, we talk about the implementation and we have the statement of work. If you want to send that to Paul in the project management department, all of a sudden you're getting access to people and they get a feeling as well as, wow, this, this person really understands the process. Not only are they able to navigate their process, most buyers now struggle internally. They might have never bought your your solution before. They might have been tasked to be on the committee, so they don't even want to be there. 
and they don't know what to do, who to, who to call to the meeting, who to get signed off for, when to engage what people. So the minute you can show some authority that you know what to do, they're, they're coming to you with their, their hands up, surrendering, saying, God, help us. So that's, again, the power of video. You can show that you've done this before and that you're prepared to do some of the heavy lifting and make it easy for them. Just a few areas where you can use video. You know, any, any within the email, if you are doing a sequence throughout the email, I, I don't usually start with it. I feel like it's, it's kind of abrupt. They don't know me yet. Um, but throughout definitely the, uh, the sequence, every proposal I hand out is always an email, a, a PDF of the proposal, but also me with a short video explaining it. And the reason is think past, think back to past proposals. And anytime there's questions, there's ambiguity, there's where do I sign here? Is this a, you know, a quarterly agreement? Is this, um, upfront? Is this, you know, do we invoice here? You know, is it all these, all this uncertainty circle it? put an X here, make it very easy for them and spell it out. And if you're responding to a tender or there's a few, you know, vendors you're up against, I can guarantee you're, you're the only one with video. And when you're competing with a PDF, it's an easy win. So definitely, um, video in the proposal phase, email summary. If you want to summarize with an email or timestamp it, um, again, they see you, they can forward it on. And there's a bit of storytelling there. People remember watching and listening to you. They can do it as they're playing in the background as they're doing something else versus reading an email. And again, they, they see you. So you're starting to build this connection behind the scenes. Almost a resurrection. So if you've had some back and forths a while ago and you want to resurrect the relationship or you're nurturing them, great way to just throw in the camera and it can be very short and just say, hi, it's been so long. You know, last time we spoke, we were doing this, you know, would you be open to reconnecting to discuss A, B, and C? But again, it's a pattern interrupt versus these emails that everyone's getting and, and they're just noise. So uh, multiple ways where you can use video and, and also audio. So when you connect with um, a new prospect on LinkedIn, I always send them a quick message from my mobile. Um, you can only do it on the mobile, but just hold down the microphone button. And I just say, hey, hey, John, thanks for connecting with me. Great to be part of your network. Um, you know, look forward to sharing content. They're learning more or something like that. It's usually six or seven seconds. But in their mind, they're, they're probably thinking this is a pitch. Here we go, because this is the typical behavior on LinkedIn. And when it's not, they think, oh my God, this is different. And you're remembered and they can hear your voice. So they don't see you, but it's just a little bit different. There's some tonality there. There's a bit of warmth that you don't get otherwise. Now, one other thing about LinkedIn, um, a lot of people say, well, Karen, should I do a custom personalized message? You know what? The studies, I think the, I think the connection rate is micro, micro, higher, like very minute if you do, but that's provided you, you write a cuss, a good one. If you write a good personalized connection request, I don't because it's so small that it's like they, you can look at my title. You can look at what I do. You can, there's enough, you know, content out there on me that if, if you don't want to connect with me, that's fine. Unless I really have a compelling reason. I know them. I've been introduced, like there's a reason, but if I have to really go and dig and do homework, I just, I don't have the time. And so the studies show you don't need to write one. So I, I think your title will give it away. So those people who are <laughs> sadly in lead gen and SEO and all that, usually, you know, that's a giveaway. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't want to connect um, with people unless you are looking for that service. So those are the three main areas. So email, 
uh, phone and uh, video slash audio. A few other things that because we're, you know, I don't want to mention the C word, but we're kind of COVID's behind us and, you know, trade shows, conferences are back. And so I've been to, I, I've been a speaker at a few conferences. I've been in, on, on panels and with that comes names, real in-person connections. Um, oftentimes you can, if you're on the panel or your speaker, you can send out information to the guests, you get access to the list. So definitely attend um, conferences uh, trade shows, anything like that. And, you know, if you know you're going in advance, find out who's going. And this is a major prospecting opportunity that find out who's going, get names and line up appointments before you go. Think about this as a massive opportunity list. You can't go there and wing it and hope to see somebody and stand behind a booth all day. Make it very intentional, proactive, reach out to them, set up appointments, let them know why you're reaching out. Um, some people I say, can you sponsor something there? Can you can you be a speaker or do a breakout room session or something that gets you involved? And it's a great learning opportunity as well. If you've never done it, you know, put yourself out there. And um, I always say, get get comfortable with being uncomfortable. So definitely trade shows, conferences, if you can sponsor events, if you can be a speaker, those are all great ways to get in front of your customer. And really, you know, think about what we're doing on LinkedIn. If we're joining groups, we're, we're trying to be that fly in the wall to see what, what challenges they're facing. Uh, what are they searching for? Uh, where's their focus? You could actually have real-time conversations and, and gather information from the source and, you know, and take that back to use in your motions. So it's not hearsay. You're not, you know, trying to listen to these groups and associations, you're actually talking to people that are in the trenches that are having these problems. You can ask impact questions and really get the emotion behind them so that you can also capture and use their language in your outbound motions, whether it's email, phone, video, but that's very valuable information. So that's, uh, that's my recommendation. It is tough out there. Uh, I definitely think, you know, keep your head up, uh, because you know, it's not, it's not, it's not where we, those who were order takers before that's, that's long gone. We actually have to learn the fundamentals, learn how to engage with people, um, disarm them, make it easy for them, be others focused. And if we're not, and we're pitching and we're salesy, it's just the bar is, is too high. Now they are not, you're going to be, you're going to be blacklisted. So that might've worked in the past. It most certainly is it now. One other thing, uh, just remembering mail. Oh my gosh. I mailed four letters to customers today for cards, um, and a book. So definitely snail mail. Um, if you think about something that's just unique, you know, I thought about this, I thought about you and it's physical. They can put it on their desk, on their bookshelf. And again, they remember you buy it. So don't, don't lose sight of old traditional mail. So I'm going to leave you with that again, email, phone, video, audio, trade show, conferences, mail, anything you can to really stand out, get their attention. And it's not one touch. You know, I think it's, I don't even know the last number, 13 touches before you get a response. So it's all about the follow-up and, and really making sure that, you know, you're persistent. You're, if you know you can help them, you're not stalking them. You're not an annoyance. You are definitely, um, you, you have a solution to a problem that they might not even know that they have yet. So Think about if, if they don't, if I don't get their attention, like this could happen, like that's a risk to them and I really want to help them. So I got to keep going. So definitely that, that long game and the resilience here is, is a component and uh, something we have to, to keep at the forefront. So let me know 
if you, what one you used, where you saw success. And if you're a sales leader, encourage you to monitor this with your team and maybe, you know, maybe do some maybe testing and break them into groups and see, you know, what group yielded the best, what, what were their call to actions and really get granular to go, what, what can we double down on? What's definitely not working so we can remove it. And again, get some AB testing going with your team, a great way to, to capture data, but it also empowers them, you know, gives them, especially those who are aspiring to be sales managers and sales leaders, gets them up there talking, sharing, thinking out loud. So definitely um, empower them. So that's it for today, folks. Thank you all for listening. For those of you who are interested in online learning, we have the K2 Sales Academy, which is an online subscription-based learning. And the first program available is Foundational Sales uh, Program. So for those of you who are new to sales and and those of you who have been in it for a few years but want to freshen up your skills, it's timely, it's relevant. um, So it's not, you know, eight months out of date. Everything I've just shared here is what's in the program. It's uh, for individuals as well as sales teams. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Thanks for watching, everybody. Happy selling. And uh, we're halfway through June. So we got another six months to to keep it real and uh, keep our eye on the price. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the K2 Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our weekly sales insights are geared towards sales reps, leaders, and small business owners to help navigate the complexity of modern day sales. Our tactical takeaways help you put a plan in place to start creating your own game-changing results. Until next time, happy selling. This podcast was produced by Tosh Taylor of the Podcast Hub Productions. Find her online at podcasthub.ca.